listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. One of Us is a podcast and video network funded all but entirely by donations and subscriptions. We do accept pitches for audio-based or banner ads, but on a case-by-case basis. If you're interested in that, contact us at oneofusnet at gmail.com. With the amount of audio and video content we generate, it is expensive and extremely time-consuming to keep things running. Please go to the webpage oneofus.net and sign up for a subscription at 2 5 10 or $25 and get a ton of bonus content. One of Us needs and appreciates all your support. This movie review also comes for subscribers at Time Lord level or above an uncut, unedited, longer video version of the review. Become a subscriber and check it out. Maybe it's just the alliteration of it, but man, Dead House Dark. I want to sing it, right? You're like, Dead House Dark, boom, boom, <laughs> Dead House Dark. It's like a kid's Halloween-y type cartoon, right? Like, a, Or maybe a Hot Topic spinoff store. Or Surfside 6, maybe. <laughs> There's a reference for you. <laughs> just change one letter in it, and it could be the name of a pet furniture store. Bed House Barks. And any title you could think of would probably have as much to do with what this actually is than the title itself. Very good point, Melina. Thank you. That's Melina joining me. Hello, Melina. Hello. Also joining me is Adrian. Hello. We are the three brave souls who signed on for Shudder's new anthology series, although it's listed as a Shudder original. Technically, Dead House Dark was actually available online separately through www.deadhouse.tv. It's mainly funded from Australia, but it's weird that the guy who's the showrunner is named Enzo Tedeschi, which doesn't sound very Australian to me. (laughs) (laughs) The concept here is, and I'll read off their logline, it's a box full of dark and chilling tales of terror inspired by frighteningly familiar modern trends, including dark web mystery boxes, dash cam footage and insta-fame hungry vloggers and my reaction to seeing that after we were done reviewing was like i don't feel like that was really something that leapt out at me as like the major theme here i think what leapt out was we had just enough money to make six short films (laughs) that were very low budget and uh we just thought we'd kind of smush them together and under one label and while i would agree that the trendy thing didn't exactly pop out but i would say it's preachy as hell about some of the messages it actually literally shoves down your damn throat some of it was just weird there was one where it is only in the loosest possible way connected to suicide right like like really the end is like oh that's a way that people sometimes commit suicide and then it ends with a warning if you feel like you need help and you're considering suicide i'm like wait what it wasn't even about that it's like was that what i was supposed to get (laughs) because it's like oh my god that's the second short no pain no gain that was the only one that actually read this is what it's based on this is kind of how it fits in the whole deep web thing i've heard of that challenge and it's like okay this is the one that's actually kind of following what it's based off of and it's also one of the only ones that i think are actually well made this is an anthology series which if you were to watch it all in its entirety like i did it's like a 90 minute anthology film yeah but it's so nice of shutter to just split them up into six individual episodes because you could skip a good half of these and, yeah. and you'll be completely okay there's a couple i'd recommend not all 
with any anthology series, your tastes are going to vary, but most of this left me lying a little, eh, fine, whatever. I mean, they all felt like low-budget horror short films that you'd For see sure. at a smaller festival in between or preceding a film. None of these felt like, oh, this totally stands out all on its own, which may be the reason why they're crunched together into one thing. Even though apparently, although they're directed and written by different people along the way, they all have been organized from the get-go from Enzo. Gosh, isn't that the name of the character from Assassin's Creed? Am I wrong? Is somebody else, right? I don't know. I think it's Ezio. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Something like that, yeah. So the first one is called Dash Cam, and then a bunch of numbers, .mp4. There's no point in saying the whole title. Directed it's a video file. Rosie Lord, directing Naomi Sequera and L. Eliza Nichols. She co-wrote it with Enzo. Man, that man Enzo. He's just in there. Uh, and this is found footage from the viewpoint of entirely filmed from a dash cam facing forward from a car. I actually read one critic talking about this going, man, there should be more movies like this. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Filmmakers do not listen to this lunatic. But I'm okay with somebody experimenting with a single one. And it's two girls. They leave a party. They're sisters or something. And they're kind of mad at each other. It sounds like maybe one's going to leave. She's tired of this town. They find a car crash on a country road and they stop to check it out. And they're like, okay, well, we called the cops. Let's get going. And then shit gets weird. Or rather, shit goes exactly where I expected it to. This is technically like the first one that you watched. And I think it's a terrible intro. It seems like like an interesting concept. Like, yeah, okay, dash cam footage. People watch Russian dash cam compilations and stuff like that because crazy shit happens and it'll pop up on like top 10 scariest things you've ever seen on YouTube and stuff like that. That subculture is scary. And they take that and they do a meandering, boring 15-minute intro. Yeah. Like, nothing happens in this short. Genuinely, I don't get what y'all were trying to do, except, hey, isn't it cool that we're filming from a dash cam? Most of these came off to me, including this one, like Creepypasta. Very simple, very obvious, just at the beginning session of the writing room of a Twilight Zone writer's session type stories, you know? We're like, oh, we never really fleshed it out, but this is the basic idea. This one, right off the bat, I was like, uh-oh, I, I don't have a problem with the performances or the idea but like ultimately the way it all played out was like okay so what no pain no gain is the second one written and directed by megan riakos and starring Gemma bird matheson which is apparently it's inspired by a real life thing i never heard of called the blue whale suicide challenge which i guess is why they have the suicide thing at the end even though i didn't feel like disconnected to it Gemma plays a competitive runner we see at the beginning she's lost this big race that meant a lot to her which was a qualifying like olympics type thing She's really depressed. She gets a message online from apparently kind of a famous coach who's like, I'll help you, but you have to subscribe to my method and it's very hard. So his method is very intense and gets more intense and starts getting dangerous. And then things turn weird. And then there's a total wah-wah Twilight Zone bell ring at the very, very, very end. Like, that was so pretty silly. Which felt so unnecessary. Yeah. I swear you could go and find an old Twilight Zone episode and you could just find some clip of Rod Serling being like, submit it for your approval. <laughs> and if you were to just arbitrarily put it over this, I'm like, you could actually make this work. That's just how damn preachy this is. I did like the lead actress in this one, though, quite a bit. Yeah. I thought she was excellent in it. Uh, it's just a shame that there was only one way this was going, being a horror short, and then... To have it end with, like I said, the dumbest, oh shit, we forgot to make it spooky. Okay, here's here's one line to make it spooky. The first one, I was like, okay, this is clunky and the whole point is wear your seatbelt or else. The second one, in the first five minutes, I was like, 
if your instinct to what just happened is anything other than bailing on this whole plan immediately and reaching out to the authorities, then I have no sympathy for what happens to you after this because I can't even see you as a real person. No yeah. person with a brainstem would ever continue something like this without being like, hmm, I'm not an expert and I really do want to win this next race, but there's probably better ways to actually do this. Everything about her seems like she knows better. You could buy that maybe if this person were forced into this situation and just had no choice but to comply with this person's ever increasingly scary demands, you'd feel sorry for them. You're like, there's no way out. But they got themselves into this situation. And alas, I'm like, hey, the door is right there. The next one's called The Staircase, written and directed by Denai Gracie, with Jenny Wu, Ryan Morgan, and Adam Solace. Almost every anthology ever has one of these now, where it's a mystery hunters, you know, they're ghost hunters or mystery hunters, and they've heard a story of a mysterious place where someone disappeared. They're filming it, and they go up right next to it, and they hear a voice, help me, that's really spooky and echoey, and they're like, oh shit, maybe we shouldn't do this. And of course, the host is like, I'm going to be famous, bitches, so we're doing this. And as they start to go into this dark entryway built into the side of this rock, they find that it goes on a lot deeper and darker and more downwards than reality should allow it to, in fact. And things get weird and very unclear. <laughs> and at the end, I was like, I gotta be honest, I'm not really sure what was supposed to have happened in that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, what was missing was a good probably five ten thousand dollars they needed to actually have something on screen like i felt like this one was very very limited to its budget to the point where it's like hey if there is something you're just gonna hear it yeah <laughs> that's that's as far as we'll go with this aside from that i found it funny that along with making fun of like the whole ghost hunter youtuber once again we're attacking vloggers why is this the new target I, i'll get why we continue to see this and this is just another example of that that's like this is just getting so old like i get the parody already we've been doing it for 10 plus years now and it's like yeah. okay it's not like they're this huge problem in society or something right it's just a thing <laughs> start targeting people who like jordan peterson start targeting guys <laughs> who like the joe rogan experience I, I haven't seen that in horror yet this one was just limited by its budget go ahead and skip that one you know i i will say this this felt like it was leading somewhere interesting i was like okay mm -hmm. i kind of like the setup i like where it's starting to go when by the time it's in the midpoint I'm like oh that is creepy but then yeah. there's just no real payoff it's like okay that's it you just ran out of money basically <laughs> i liken this to those video games where basically you're just going along and it's like choose your own adventure and i was like this is how that would go if you purposefully from the outset made your characters do the stupidest possible option at every turn <laughs> to where it would last like this short for only 13 minutes because you would be it's dead it almost feels like it's kind of making fun of that but oh my god you were saying that it's kind of limited by its budget i think they could have saved that if every single line was not literally I need to be famous. This is my mark. I'm like, we okay, get we it. get it. You don't like vloggers. <laughs> and Chris, you talk shit about the Blair Witch Project, but I would spend a whole weekend camping with those guys over <laughs> spending a second with any of these assholes. <laughs> and at this point, if you're like a mystery blogger or mystery vlogger or ghost vlogger, there's so much high-funded competition. What are you even doing? It's not an easy field to crack. These people clearly don't like each other. Why are they doing this? <laughs> Yeah, why are they following asshole Jeff Spicoli into the gates of hell? <laughs> well, I mean, Jeff Spicoli is kind of an asshole anyway, but still. <laughs> I'll say this, though. I did like the last 
image. The last three seconds of it, something happens to a certain character, and it's like, I don't even know when that happened. I guess it's kind of effective. This is like a, damn, that fucking sucks type uh, horror ending, I, I dig. Well, the next one is A Tangled Web We Weave, which is using part of a famous phrase there that is like about lying. L- lying, is that really the relevant <laughs> thing here? It's, this is the one written and directed by Enzo Tedeschi, starring Nicholas Hope, Barbara Bingham, and Kathy Lou with this guy who's got a rat problem in his house. And he's like, oh, God, I can't catch this. And there's a guy at the beginning, like, I'm sorry, if you could find us evidence of the rat. You're like, there's rats. <laughs> you know, I mean, come on. Then we see at one point there's a hole in the wall where they come in. Lots of evidence right there. What do you need? Why do you need to get approval to call an exterminator? That's just bizarre to me. But anyway. Because it's a metaphor. The old guy goes back in and he's like on one of those, uh, you know, chat online, date online things. And his date wants to come over that night. He's like, maybe it's not a good night. He's got rats. And she's like, no, come on. Don't blow this off. And he's like, fine. So he's like doubles down trying to catch this rat. But she shows up. Time flew by too fast while he's trying to do it. And we find out that maybe the only trap being set is not for rats. This was fine, I guess. There's elements here that we've seen before in a lot of other stuff. The rat thing is, as Melina said, more of just a metaphor than it is anything else, and an excuse to how you're going to make it have a weird, creepy, but completely see it coming from a million miles away ending you know the one thing this was missing in that ending was like shouldn't there have been like 40 bodies down there with him (laughs) is it why we have rats in the first place this is a half-baked idea kind of like with the second one i liked it because of the performances i like nicholas hope if anybody's ever watched ifc at midnight from like 2005 till maybe 2007 you may have seen a fucked up movie called bad boy bubby it's an Australian exploitation movie. I love Bad Boy Bubby. <laughs> that movie kicks ass. If you've never heard of it, just uh, look it up and put it on. Yeah. Uh, preferably with uh, one of your family members to see what they think of it, too. <laughs> <laughs> that's just mean. It's a wild ride. But it was cool seeing him like, oh, shit, that's Bad Boy Bubby. And I think he does a good job in this short, too. Like, he comes off as charming. His date realizes that, too. Like, this is a charming guy. This is also the first one that kind of goes away from the whole deep web internet side of this uh, anthology. Yeah, I mean, the only way this connected is like they meet online, but it could have been like, oh, well, he met her from an answering a newspaper ad. <laughs> yeah, which probably would have made more sense given his age group. I acknowledge all the problems that are there with this one, but I've got to say by far and away, it's my favorite of all of them. It's actually the one that I thought had the most distinct arc. And it has that element of horror that is one of my favorites, which is you have this scenario that is seemingly benign, but right from the beginning, you just kind of get this feeling something's wrong. I I have a feeling that this is going to be far more sinister than they're letting on. And it totally builds on that the whole way through and you can't put your finger on it. And it just kind of sits there making you squirm. And I actually thought that this episode had the one thing that the rest of the episodes were lacking, which was a character who actually had self-preservation and didn't make the dumbest decision possible when the shit hit the fan. And for that, I was like, oh my God, kudos to you episode. (laughs) It's been how many decades since the original Halloween? Have we learned nothing from Jamie Lee Curtis people? Why we still have movies or people like, oh, well, maybe I'll just put my hand in this hole that says, do not put your hand in the hole. You know, I mean, other than if you're Flash Gordon, of course. (laughs) So it's just your hand. (laughs) Anyway, the next one is called Mystery Box is directed by Rochelle Wiggins, written by Enzo Tedeschi with Rochelle Wiggins and stars Lauren Orell and Zoe Carides. This is the story of this young lady, and she looks like she's maybe in her 
30s who is in this cool house but we see right off the bat she's obviously agoraphobic she's afraid to go outside uh, she's calling out trying to get in touch with her mom on the phone like calling her and she hears this ringing that won't stop to the point where I thought is this actually part of the score to this <laughs> but no there's a package out front and she's scared to even open the door to reach out to grab it but she finally does and she opens it up and inside are just a couple kind of unusual items like a photograph with writing on it a push button mirror box sort of like a music box that opens up with mirrors and stuff in it i mean it's called mystery box and this is all like what's going on and this is one of those everything is not as it appears ones where you have to recontextualize what you've seen because of mental illness by the end of it and i'll give this this the set dressing was great this lady's got a Twin Peaks Black Lodge room in her house. I was like, cool, I want one of those. <laughs> this one is the one that feels like those 90s point-and-click horror games for PC. Yes. Which is like a niche thing. Like, it's like you, you, you just investigate this really atmospheric-looking horror house that looks beautiful. And, like, every shot in this movie, in this short, does really look good. But much like those point-and-click horror games, if you're not into it, you might not get anything out of this. This is a little bit of a slow burn. I thought it was okay. More than anything, I like how it looked. I think this is just one of those where I'm like, you kind of gave yourself away within the first couple of minutes. I mean, I've watched like so many damn horror movies at this point, And even if you don't watch as many, you've got to see this coming at this point. If someone ever goes through a hallway, opens a door, looks in it and closes it, you know that there's going to be some crazy ass twist at the end where you're like, <laughs> okay, it's either going to be a body or it's going to be like a collection of weapons or it's going to be a sex dungeon. It's going to be one of those three. And I'm like, okay, let's just get to this, please. Because I already know, I guarantee the rest of the audience knows that that's exactly where that this is going to end up. Speaking of sex dungeons, if y'all haven't seen it on Shutter, Dogs Don't Wear Pants, Sex Dungeon is a little bit of a misnomer, but excellent little, not really horror, but kind of a psychological thriller film that's flown under the radar of most people that I highly recommend. Probably because of the name. You get it when you see it, because it's like dog refers to sadomasochism when someone someone else's dog is treated like a dog type thing. <laughs> Sounds fun. <laughs> it actually is kind of fun. Uh, <laughs> it's been on my list for a bit. Yeah, it looks good. Our last film is My Empire of Dirt, which I guess is taken from a Nine Inch Nails song. <laughs> uh, maybe that's from something else. I don't know. Which is written and directed by Joshua Long. Akosia Sabet is a death midwife. So basically, she's a hospice worker, but somebody who is hired to come to your house and sit with you as you're in your final stages and comfort you while you're dying. And she's helping... Annie Finister, who's covered in makeup and latex to look obviously much older than she actually is, who's dying obviously very painfully in her house, which is just a hoarder house. It's just filled wall to ceiling with junk and garbage. Melina's going to gag. She's very upset. Yeah, but... you <laughs> so you never watched the show Hoarders? Come on. <laughs> this is exactly why, Chris. My little sister actually was on the show Hoarders for being one of the people that help people organize stuff. Oh, you're they kidding. hired her to come in and help wow. someone clean up just once, but whatever. Anyway, that's unrelated. Cool. So she's there helping her, and it's clear that something happened in her past that's haunted her. And then, kind of, I thought inexplicably, it ends with like a very creep showy type ending. It ends with something that, once it starts, it's like, oh, that looks scary. And then a second goes by, and immediately it just looks kind of silly. It does. And I don't know if that's also, once again, maybe marred by budgets. I don't know what exactly the technology was that they used or how they went about to doing the ending of this movie. I don't want to give it away either of like what exactly it is, 
But it should be scary, and it just looks kind of silly. And the fact that that was the payoff, and it looks as unintentionally hilarious that it does, I was like, guys, maybe instead of blowing half your budget on this, you could have spent it on actually making a better story. Because I didn't even understand how this connected yeah. to anything that we... Why was it happening? Why? <laughs> Why? <laughs> and the entire time, I, I actually like wrote this down. I was like, my gag reflex is stimulated, but not in the, oh God, it's so crazy, but I can't look away. Like David Cronenbergian, if you will. <laughs> uh, this is just like, why the fuck am I watching this? This is something I never wanted to see in a billion years. There's not an ounce of entertainment to it. It just makes you want to go and scrub your own brain to get rid of those images. I tried discussing that image to my boyfriend, and I was just like, ugh. And I was like, and he's like, no, no, stop, stop. <laughs> you smell bad things when you're watching this. Like your brain makes you think that your house smells bad because it's like that place clearly does. And you can't believe that lady is in there and not just wearing a mask the whole time sprayed with Lysol. Jesus Christ, get out of there. What do you do? You know what? She made her bed. She can die in it. I don't yeah. know what to tell you. I don't even dislike it. I found this one the most effective in terms of horror because I didn't like what I was looking at. When, when you wrote that, oh man, this one's so gross. I haven't done a, a review with you, so I'll, I, I can't gauge what you've seen. But I assumed, oh, my, it may be something gory. And you know what? Gore's kind of cool with me. I dig it. The moment it was a hoarder house, it's like, oh shit, I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't want to see this either. Yeah, this it's gross, gross and not the traditional horror way. It's not like Cannibal Ferox or something. Yeah, you know? no, exactly. <laughs> it was gross, but also... Her performance as that woman dying, she reminded me of the corpse from, like, Suspiria. Okay. Where it's just, oh. it's just constantly just wheezing, and it sounds like death. I hated that. Yeah. I, I thought that was so effectively, like, unnerving. I was like, lady, nurse, look around for a knife shaped like a peacock feather and do your duty before it's too yeah. late. <laughs> oh, my God. You can't believe that there's a world where someone from any agency would come in, take one look around, and not immediately get in touch with a homeowner's association and be like, we need to condemn this house and we need to get this person out of here. Well, because... Social services, if nothing else. Say, you can't let this woman like stay here. I mean, I don't care if she is dying. This is insane that for her to stay here. Anyway, we're going to go into final thoughts. We've expressed at length already on each one of these, so we don't need to make final thoughts super long, but we'll go into it anyway. Melina, get us started. I think all of them, with the exception of episodes two and five, to varying degrees, did succeed in creeping me out. I think they all had those moments. Unfortunately, they are just so beset by really stupid, predictable twists, really bad dialogue, not all around bad acting, but a lot of people here who I'm like, your performance is the only thing that's keeping me going. Episode four, I liked it. I actually would go back and watch that one again because I actually thought it had sort of like a twisted sense of fun about itself. The rest of these, especially the last one, I'm like, even with the good things I have to say about them, I'm never going to revisit these again. I would not recommend this to horror fans. And for God's sake, episode six, if you really just want to be that grossed out, go watch the Jackass movies because at least you'll laugh after you throw up. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to give this, having uh, rated them all individually, it all rounds out to 1.5 out of 5 uh, mystery boxes that you really should have left closed. All right. What about the Deadhouse dork himself, Adrian? <laughs> Shudder at it again. A new horror thing. And I don't remember the last thing I saw from Shudder that was horror that, like, genuinely scared me. And I don't think I'm immune to being scared anymore, but I don't know. This is just, like, this is horror at base level. Can I just say, Adrian, real quick? I remember you kept getting unlucky and being on the Shudder ones that weren't the good ones. And every I time know. you weren't on one, it was one of the ones that was good. <laughs> We're like, oh, God man, Adrian damn. always misses the good ones. <laughs> 
<laughs> but um, I thought this was fine. There's three of them that I really liked, and there's only one of them that I found genuinely scary. I think if you want to fuck someone up and be like, this is horrendous, look at it. Showed up the last one, showed up episode six, and see how they react to that. And even then, with that episode, it does have some kind of witchcraft thing. It just doesn't really establish it well. So it is like, I don't know where the fuck this is going, but it's spooky enough. Still, I don't really recommend it. If you gotta watch an anthology, and you have to watch every single anthology ever made, check it out. If not, I don't know, just go watch Creep Show again. That movie kicks ass. I'm gonna give this two adorable little mice out of five. <laughs> this just wasn't my cup of tea. I can be harder on anthology films, on, on horror, because I'm not even that world's biggest fan of the Creep Show movies, but that has less to do with the short form and more to do with like those kind of cross the line into so goofy that I'm like, okay, well this isn't scary, because every time something scary happens, you turn it into a comic book page. I'm like, okay, that's not very scary. I mean, I get it. That's the aesthetic. Anyway, I'm not here to review Creep Show. I'm here to review Dead House Dark. And while this doesn't look amateurish, they do a decent job of covering up the low budget with that. I mean, they're well shot overall, well acted. They're written kind of amateurishly, I thought, to varying different degrees. There's nothing here that really stands out as more than, like I said, a small festival's collection of horror shorts type thing where you expect something like this or most of them are forgettable and there might be one or two that have moments that you liked that kind of describes this well for me not really a fan this will be an ongoing series they're saying but the site itself apparently only has these six so i don't know if that's actually going to happen or not i'm going to give this two and a half out of ten connecting threads between episodes that's all you get <laughs> wasn't that weird only episodes three, four, and five have any connection whatsoever, and it's the weirdest, most tentative, serves no purpose connections. Yeah, they're nebulous. There's like a cell phone that you can see because the back is so distinctive that appears twice, yeah. and you're like, why is that there again? No reason. And there's like a connection between four and five that didn't need to be there at all. It was like just makes you double question mark at the end of the episode. So why was that there? Okay. I don't know. Yeah. That was the whole that was that episode for me. That's why, you know despite the fact that it's well-structured and it's, it's pretty looking and she does a pretty good job with it. By the end, when they do that little twist, I'm like, oh, literally the only point of this was so that you could just connect it to another storyline. That was, I thought, far superior. And I'm like, so what the hell was the point of even making this? In a way that didn't enhance that previous story either. It no. didn't go, oh, well, that made that even more interesting. It didn't. It was like out of nowhere. Like, oh, okay, I guess. It, it was like adding a cliff notes to that. Like, oh, by the way, this. And I'm like, cool get yourself your favorite food and sit down and put on bad boy bunny and that's that's whole that's fun for the whole family or you know if you want to see a, good, a recent good anthology on shutter i recommend the mortuary collection which is excellent which is way fun sort of creep show but without the let's move the gimme shot to a comic book page it's a lot of fun i recommend that one dead house dark not so much mm -hmm. it must be one of those reviews that i missed <laughs> it was <laughs>